Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. I hope you had a blessed time, those of you this morning that were on the Shabbat Fellowship. I hear that was a great group and a great time of community and connecting together. Remember, if you want to connect, go to tortothetribes.com forward slash connect, and you can connect with others all over the world six days a week through all of the various groups. You may see that the message today is a topical teaching. Before I get back into Acts, why? Because there's so much happening now, and I want to be able to give you a little bit of an update the way I see things through the Scripture. Many people have asked me. Um, of course, my wife is here um, in studio today, so I'm going to keep this super, super positive because she's always telling me that I've got to steer it to the positive, not the apocalyptic. But you know me. Anyway, so I'm going to really try and balance that. So let's start out with a positive title for today's teaching. Mystery Babylon in the news. <laughs> now, I didn't get to um, print um, any notes out, so I'm kind of winging it today, so bear with me, okay? Now, if we were going to communicate something about returning back to the ways of Yahuwah. What would be the best way of communicating that, if we could encapsulate it with one Hebrew word? Would be teshuv, shuv, which is where we get the Hebrew word teshuva, meaning to repent or to return, really to return and cycle back to something. Shuv, it's spelt with a sheen vav bet, meaning to repent or to return. Kind of like a cycle, cyclical. And that was one of the biggest paradigm shifts when I started to look at the Torah and to teach the Torah, was getting out of that linear Greek, Greco-Roman linear view, where you have the cross, and you have everything before the cross, and then everything after the cross, and now we're after the cross, we do all of these things different, and that's what they used to do back then before the cross, but we don't do that anymore. And I started to see the feasts and the Sabbaths and cycles and cycles and harvest and sowing and reaping, cyclical, cyclical, cyclical. This word shuv is a perfect, perfect, excuse me, word to encapsulate the cycles of Yahuwah. Because if we are going to come out of our culture, come out of our upbringing, come out of our sin, then we have to shuv. We have to make teshuvah. We have to repent. And we have to return to the cycles of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it is, it is in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit, and it goes down to your generations, to your families. It encapsulates and affects every part of your life, who you will associate with, how you will run and conduct your daily businesses, how you will manage your finances. It should affect everything, even down, as the writer of the book of Hebrews said, down into the marital bed. It should affect everywhere if you are going to repent 
and return back to the cycles of Yahuwah. It's a wheel. And where do we get the best descriptor of a wheel in Scripture? Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 15. A wheel can roll forward into destruction, or it can roll backwards and come back into the fort, come back into safety. Round and round and round and round it goes. One wheel was upon the earth, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 15. Verse 16, the appearance of the wheels and their works was like the color of beryl. As it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. The wheels, verse 19, went beside the living creatures. The wheels were lifted up together with them. Here we have a wheel within a wheel. Today, I want to show you something in history, I believe is playing out today, which is a cyclical wheel within a wheel within a wheel. A cycle of three, and it's going to be a 20-year cycle three times, an 80-year cycle three times, and a 250-year cycle three times. We're going to look at history, and we're going to see how these cycles, within the 250 year, you've got your 80 and your 20, and they cycle thrice each. And we're going to see this shift through the history of humankind to where we're at today that I believe is going to show you mystery Babylon in the news. Because things are happening, and I want us to be excited about the cycle that I believe we're about to enter into. Okay, so there's the preface. In James, in chapter 3, verse 6, it says thus, And the tongue is a fire, the world of iniquity, or is it not? Among our members is the tongue. The most destructive, iniquitous thing of our whole being is the tongue. And my wife is looking at me like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> right now. See? It's hard preaching when the missus is in the house. Which defileth the whole body. My daughter's laughing. The wheel... Oh, sorry. And which defileth the whole body... And setteth on fire the wheel of Genesis and is set on fire by hell. Depending on your translation in James chapter 3 verse 6. Um, uh, the Hebraic translation of James chapter 3 verse 6 would be written such as, sets on fire the course of our Israelite race that rolls on like a wheel. The Greek word here is ton trakon Tez Genesis. Because Satan wants to cycle and wheel humanity as far away from the idea and origins of creation, Eden, Genesis, and family, and humanity as possible. That wheel is cycling away and it will lead into a fire of iniquity and ultimately judgment 
But Yahweh is trying to get his people to wake up, come out of her, my people, lest you partake of her sins and her plagues. Whatever plagues they are, they are not of a natural created order. They are her plagues. They were manufactured. And if you don't come out of her, your wheel of destruction will end in a flame of fire. Or you can cycle back to Genesis with Yahuwah. And it's a time cycle. The tongue sets on fire. It's a member of iniquity. What is the tongue? Communication. Communication devices. What's disseminated to the population. What they internalize and accept. It could act defile their whole body what you internalize what you accept because you heard it from somebody others else's tongue it could be through computer-generated writing electronic media it could in fact defile your whole body if you're believing in that cycle rotation of Satan that is leading somewhere Conversely, if you start to listen to the word of Yahuwah, internalize the word of Yahuwah, surround yourself with people of Yahuwah, and surround yourself with everything that is his, it will cycle you out of the world and back into a place of health and blessing. The Great Reset, I believe, is intent on destroying our return to Genesis, our return to Eden, the cycle of creation. Because that's where everything rolled out from the beginning. Satan, Satan, is intent on setting aflame the human race from ever returning back to how they were in Genesis Eden. It's a cycle, though. Of time. James 3 6, the tongue set on fire the Genesis cycle of our Israelite race that rolled out like a wheel and it burned on fire with the fires of hell. Wheels, cycles, fires. So if you look at the Hebrew word wheel, just for a moment, it's the Hebrew word ofan and it's spelled Aleph Pe Nun. The Greek word for that is trokos, which we see in James chapter 3, verse 6. But the first time the Hebrew word ophan, wheel, is mentioned is... The Torah first mention is always very important because it sets the stage for the usage of that word forevermore. Of course, it's in Exodus chapter 14, verse 24, when we were trying to get out of another kind of mystery Babylon. It was Egypt, slavery, servitude, under a wicked pharaonic fish. Exodus 14, 24. And he, being Yahuwah, took off their chariot wheels, the Hebrew word there, ofan, and they drove them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel. For Yahuwah fighteth for them against mystery Babylon. It says here, Egypt, the Egyptians, but 
this teaching is about the end cycle. We're not at war with Egypt. We're at war with a different Egypt. It's called Mystery Babylon, and we literally are the generation living in amongst it. A chariot wheel, it has a smaller wheel within that wheel, which would relate to Ezekiel's vision. The smaller wheel is what actually drives the outer wheel, the Aleph, Pei, Nun. So if you look at it in the Hebrew, the pictograph is of this Ophan, Aleph, Pei, Nun, the ability or power to perpetuate commands. Whose voice will you listen to? Pharaoh, Mystery Babylon, Dr. Fauci, or will you be listening to faith, the word of Yahweh? And, and my critics would say, oh, so you don't believe in science. Oh, no, no. I love science. I think science is great. You mean science? Where you can isolate something, you can put it in a laboratory, and you can replicate it again and again and again to establish fact. What I do not believe and I do not subscribe to, is a religion called scientism. That is not my religion. I don't believe in that God. I do not believe and ascribe to the religion of scientism. Because I follow Yahuwah. He's my Elohim. That's the difference. What you've got today is a religion of scientism and advocates and followers and adherents of that religion trying to oppress people who do not believe in their God. Because it's not science. It's scientism. Because there is nothing that has been isolated so therefore, there is no fact that can be replicated, and therefore, everything is always shifting. A different voice, a different wheel, a different cycle today. Oh, it's, we're now in this cycle. Oh, watch out, there's a more dangerous cycle coming. Oh, in this cycle, do you see? Because it's a religion of scientism. It's godless, hedonism, fear. The great, great reset is about to happen. As S.A. Tan attempts to get revenge against Yahuwah and the woman. The great reset, I believe, is S.A. Tan's last attempt in ruining Yahuwah's cycles. Because Yahuwah was the first one to ruin S.A. Tan's cycles right there in Exodus 14, verse 24. He ripped the wheels off of the pharaonic fish. And it meant that Israel was set free from bondage, slavery, and captivity. Proverbs in 25, verse 11, it is written, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a network of silver. Isn't that just so beautifully descriptive? You see, Yahuwah's cycles are based upon his word. They are words fitly spoken, and they are set in gold and majesty. That is the Proverbs 25. 
The Greek word trachon, meaning wheel of Genesis, is fitly spoken upon Yahuwah's cycles. And that's what he wants our mind, our body, our soul, and our spirit to get into. Whereas the world right now is about to be cycled into a new variant, into a new strain. Into, and it will shift and change because it's scientism, a religion, and their adherents are godless. Absolutely godless. Satan's great reset is a cycle then that is based upon a lying tongue. That's propaganda. The fallen angel, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, Malik Taos, that is symbolized as the peacock, which of course is the mascot for NBC, which is, you know, a lying tongue of state-controlled media, okay? So are we listening to his cycles, Yahuwah's cycles, which are words fitly spoken, or are we listening to Satan's cycles, which is media, the lying tongue, always changing, forever shifting, and totally unstable? Our English word fan, you put the fan on because you want to cool the room down, it actually comes from the Hebrew word ofan. And what does a fan do? It goes round and round and round in a cycle. Whereas Satan's cycles is akin to a broken fan which is off kilter. You know that fan that just crackety, 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 that's a constant irritant, that just grating sound? Well, that's Satan's cycles. Paths are cycles. Psalms 17, verse 4. As for the works of men, by the word of thy lips I have kept me from the paths, the cycles of the destroyer. So a chaotic path to the path, the cycles of a destroyer, is like a roller coaster, a track or a cycle. Whereas Yahuwah's cycles are like a wagon, a wagon um, wheel that would leave a rut in the ground that creates a trail or a habit or a place of safety to keep you off from the thorns and the thickets. Did you see the dichotomy there? Proverbs 2 verse 15. Who are crooked in their ways and wayward in their paths? The word there is agol, paths, agol, means to cycle. So Yahuwah's cycles wear a rut in the ground like a, like a wagon wheel that cause you to stay on the narrow road that leads to life and the next generation that comes along, it's much easier for them because their father already put the trail in and the next generation comes along and stays on the wagon trail and the next so that's what Yahuwah's cycles do they wear in a rut but Satan's cycles are chaotic they lead to destruction and they wear you down the wearing down of the saints 
forever shifting cycles. There's a new variant. Oh, it's over. You can all come out to play. Oh, it's lockdown. Oh, it's a new cycle. Oh, there's a new... It's a lying tongue here. It's the religion of scientism with their god, Pharaoh Fauci, whatever you want to call. But that is... what. Oh, oh, did you not believe it? He came out with something new today. And the WHO... Well, that's their Egypt. That's their, that's their sphinx. That's their, their great statutes. And this is what the people, there is nothing new under the, oh, oh my goodness. There's the golden image, everybody. It's the WHO. We better bow down and prostrate ourselves. If not, it's off to Siberia where you can work off your debt to society. Didn't that happen before? I thought that happened before. Wasn't that communism? So anyway, my wife's looking at me. Stay positive, Matthew. It's all positive. We have hope. Let's reach for hope. Watching as the world is led away. Because the world is being led away by three things. Shema. That means astonishment. Mashal. That means a proverb. And shenena, a byword. And you'll find those described in the curses of Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 37. Shema, an astonishment. A mashal, a proverb. And a shenena, a byword. Deuteronomy 28, verse 37. Three things. Number one, we're going to identify what it is. Number two, we're going to be identifying when it will become. Number three, we will be identifying how we can become kings and priests upon this earth with our children and grandchildren and live separately from the new world order because they are going to fall right into this Shema Mashal Shenena. We are trending right now towards totalitarianism, which is a captured, controlled, and centrally planned closed system versus a free, open, and competitive system. So let's juxtapose that for a moment, okay? Totalitarianism is a closed system where you are captured, controlled, and it's centrally planned. Do you see that everywhere? Or, conversely of that, you can be free. Things can be open with competition, capitalism. Centrally planned and controlled versus a decentralized system and cycle. Right? In Egypt, what was it? It was centrally planned and controlled. Whereas with Yahuwah, it was decentralized and it was a system of cycles. It was whoever you will come and follow the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was a mixed multi. Didn't matter who you were. If you wanted to believe and follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you were welcome. You can come and follow. Whereas in Egypt, it was a closed, centrally planned and controlled system of tyranny. So a society then 
that exercises an extremely high degree of control over both public and private life is what? Centrally planned and controlled, and it will lead to totalitarianism. Some triggers for totalitarianism. You be the judge. Are we there? How does the state amass power and control? Five things. Number one, fear. You're not safe. Number two, oppression and fairness. Everybody has to have the same outcome. Doesn't matter that he works 80 hours a week and he's a doctor and that he has a high education and this person is an oaf. No, 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 no. You're going to have the same outcome. Number three, terror. Terrorism. The Patriot Act. Oh, that changed the landscape of this country. That changed the landscape of this country. It changed the landscape of banking. Now, you get near, you, you be careful how much you put in, how much you, oh yeah, because of all these laws after 9-11, it changed banking, commerce, and everything. Security. Number four, viruses, plagues, and lockdowns. Number five, of course, coming, climate, energy, consumption. You consume too much. You need to stay home. You can't go out for three more days. Now you're at the Mara, the bitter waters. See, it's all been written before. An Austrian scholar once said, quote, those who are willing to surrender their freedom for security have always demanded that if they give up their full freedom, it should also be taken from those not prepared to do so. Well, I gave up my freedom. You take it from him because he is making me feel very unsafe. In fact, if he doesn't do what the big man says, I think they should go to prison. I think you should, I think you should shut their businesses down. Because we are all in this together. This is collectivism. This is cultural collectivism, which is another word for Stalinism. The cultural, we're all in this together. But this is a positive message, Tamara. The scared demand you conform to their fear. The Patriot Act. Check. Virus. Lockdowns. Check. Variant lockdowns coming soon. Check. Climate lockdowns. Check. All upon the horizon. Come out of her, my people, that ye have no fellowship, comrade, with her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. What happens in the future? Be careful. What happens if a court orders you to get vaccinated? Will you do it? What happens? You refuse. 
you'll get a contempt of court charge, which carries a sentence of 10 days. Revelation 2.10. Where you will be thrown in prison for 10 days. That's a contempt charge. Where you will be tested. And you will be sieved. You don't believe me? You can listen to this teaching in the future. Come back and we'll see. These plagues are hers. These are, not create, these are not from creation. That's what it says. Come out of her, my people, that ye have no fellowship with her sins. And receive not of her plagues. You see, these plagues and viruses are not a created, a, from creation. They are a manufactured phenomenon in Wuhan. It is a creation of the system. They are hers. They are her sins, and they are hers, and now she's forcing it upon her people. And her people will acquiesce, and then they will want to come after the people that didn't and say, well, we did. We gave up our for the greater good. Therefore, take it from them. This has happened in every culture from Stalinism all the way back to Babylon. It's terrifying when people start to act that way. The scared demand you conform to their fear. Hey, if you're afraid, stay home. No problem. I respect you whatsoever. Me? You know, my, my risk tolerance is, is, a, is a, my threshold's a lot higher than most. There's nothing good or bad about that. That's just me. But if your risk threshold is very low, and you know, you see a mouse, and you, you're scared, and you pee your pants, then we know, don't go out into the barn. I'm all for that. But to make other people conform to your fear, that's dangerous, and that's the way the world is going. So... Right now, we're coming up on the full virus lockdowns. We're going to be seeing climate and energy lockdowns. Okay, what is that? It's going to be four things. Number one, you're going to see the limit, limitation of private vehicle use. Then they're going to ban consumption of red meat. Okay, I think uh, Obama just had his birthday party this weekend, and they imported a bunch of, you know, soy meat, right? A lot of soy boys, I'm sure, showed up there. Um, number three, they're going to impose extreme energy-saving measures. And number four, fossil fuel companies will have to stop drilling, okay? Science versus scientism. Again, lockdowns are going to be used, I believe, to tackle climate emergencies. There's going to be no travel days. You already saw that last year. You're going to be moving towards a shorter work week. They're already looking at the Europeans for that. You'll get to um, get paid to play. I got a check this month for my children. $666 of childhood relief. Because my children are such a burden that I need the government to relieve them from me 
I'll take the $666 and I'll cash that. Are you insane? <laughs> Insanity. My ch- I don't need relief from my children. My children are a blessing and they've got so much energy and labor that they can be... Ah, produ- oh, that's what you want. You want to capitalize and monetize on their future energy and labor. And if I cash that, then there's a contract and it's called an invisible contract and it creates a lien. Insanity. Yeah, that one um, will not be getting... And I don't care if it comes every week. It's nonsense. But the majority think that they will get paid and that they don't have to play. Oh, no, you get paid, you're playing. Oh, there are major strings attached. It's called an invisible contract. It's terrifying that people just, like, cash their stuff. It's insane. That's me, but, you know, that's my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. Anyway, let's carry on, otherwise I'll be here all day. Totalitarianism rejects Yahusha's sacrifice. Why? Because in a totalitarian system, you all need to sacrifice for the greater good. So it hates the idea that one man's sacrifice gave you freedom. Therefore, in a totalitarian system, it's all based upon you all get to sacrifice. And if you don't, you go to the gulag. It's your sacrifice that is needed. We're in this together. That's collectivism. That's communism. You need to make a sacrifice for the whole, or you're off to Siberia to pay and work off your debt. You see how it works? That's well, Stalin. We've got four things that you're going to see under this totalitarianism, I believe. Number one... It's going to require rigid controls of personal freedom. Number two, industry and corporate funding will be nixed, and you're already seeing it, it will be nixed to those companies that do not comply and do not play. All of a sudden, they are going to be finding that their funding is going to be dried up. Then, number three, you're going to have severely constrained choice. It's going to be more inconvenient for you to go to the grocery store. It's going to be more inconvenient for you to travel. It's going to be more inconvenient. You see, it's going to become severely constrained choice before they take away your total choice, which will lead to more poverty. And number four, this is the most scary of them, I believe, your assets will be stranded. Your real estate can be stranded. There will be a whole stranded asset class. Because what they're going to do is they're going to put in all of these measures, laws, and rules that you have to do this, you have to do that to your property, you have to do this to comply with the, with, um, the Green New Deal. You have to do, and if you don't, then that will be a stranded asset class. Okay, your vehicle, you need to have this done to it, that done to it, that, and if you don't, it will become a stranded asset class. 
All right, I was just speaking to the guy that pumped my septic tank. Okay, he's got a great truck, bought and paid for. It's from the 90s. Governor Kate Brown already tried that in this state to get rid of these combustible fuels. That means every dump truck owner, every garbage uh, company with older vehicles, all of these independent businesses, all of these septic tank pump, they're done. They'd have had to gone and buy, bought two hundred and fifty dollars to $300,000 rigs, and it would have destroyed them. Thankfully, they all circled around the, 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 um, the state building and they were honking their horns and that bill didn't pass. But if that bill had passed then, that would have put so many independent working class men and women out of work for the environment, allegedly, and it creates poverty. It's terrible, terrible. Anyway, anyway let me carry on. Got sidetracked there, sorry. I'll read you the scripture in Deuteronomy 28, verse 36. Yahuwah will bring thee and thy king whom thou shalt set over thee. You see, they want this. You, you asked for this. Unto a nation that thou hast not known, nor thy fathers. And there you shall serve scientism, their gods, their religion, would and stone, and thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all the peoples, whether Yahuwah shall lead thee away. The Hebrew word there for astonishment is Shema, as in desolate, a wasteland. It's spelt Shin Mem, and the Shin Mem in this word means the breath of a man is the heart of the matter at hand. Is that what we're dealing with right now? The breath of a man is the heart of the matter at hand. Why, why is me being able to breathe? What, just, why is that the matter of hand right now? Because if you comply with their world, you will be led into a desolate wasteland. It's something that makes one what he is. It becomes an identifier, a descriptive of his character or breath. It actually becomes the dividing line. And is it not a dividing line now? People are dividing over this. In Hebrew thought, it's a sweet aroma that's carried on the breath or carried by the wind. But in Deuteronomy 28 verse 37, it's a desolation that comes on the wind of breath. This is all about ushering in a desolation based upon the wind or lack of restrictive, a constrictor of breath. The ancient Hebrew describes the Shema as a wind blowing over the land, listen to this, that pulls the moisture out of the ground, drying it up, making a place of ruin or desert, meaning a manufactured drought 
and energy shortages. Can you see that? Fires, destruction, direct energy weapons. Then you can get the federal dollars. Then you can sell the lumber. Then you can come in and you can broker it all out. You get this package, that package, this package. It's all brokered out. There, and then you access billions of dollars of federal dollars because now you're in a state of... Um, the, the, this, this is all commerce. There is so much money being made right now by these pharaonic fish. And it's all off of the people's labor and energy. And we saw that in 2008 or 9. It should have crashed. But instead, they took all the people's houses, all the people's labor and energy, and they bailed out the banks, which should have failed. They should have let them fail. And there were families that lost a lot. Well, that stayed the storm. But now, in 2020 to 2023, we're going to see what would have happened if they hadn't have bailed out the banks in 2008 or 9, I believe. The next word that we see in Deuteronomy 28 is the Hebrew word mashal, spelled mem shin lamid, meaning a proverb. So right now, think about it. Society has become a parable. It has actually become the proverb, the metaphor. What was once just a metaphor has actually now become reality. And people don't see it. Another word um, that you could translate mashal into would be dominion. That's a very familiar term. We know all about that, right? Dominion, the dominion voting, right? The dominion one rules over. Dominion, a rule of measurement, a rule of count. Well, what happens if the pharaonic fish is running dominion? Is it going to move into Satan's cycles or Yahweh's or Satan's cycles? Of course. Dominion, a rule of measurement, a rule of count, often a proverb or parable, a story of comparisons. And now we live in a story of comparisons, don't we? Really, because the country has become, or the world, I should say, so divided between this and that, a proverb of comparisons. The final Hebrew word, shenena, is spelled shin, nun, yod, nun, he. Now, the shin in the Hebrew pictograph is like sharp teeth, dagger teeth. The nun, of course, means to lie down or to sleep. And so the shin, nun, yod actually means scarlet or crimson, as in the color of bloody gums, bleeding gums. What do the prophets say? It's going to happen in the end of days with plagues and viruses. What's really interesting, if you break this word down with the shin, noon, and noon so fate, it means to sharpen or prick, as in an injection, where you become a piercing, taunted one who exchange one form for another form. It's all right there in the language. What breaks us free from being captured? controlled and centrally planned. It's living free in an open and competitive market. So I'll finish up here soon. I believe that we are in this cycle right now 
where they are really, really on the last push to bring in this captured, controlled, and centrally planned system. But I also believe that there are so many people, because it's a, it's a dichotomy, that are, are realizing, no, this is not how we want to live, and they want to break free of that centrally controlled, captured, and planned system, that closed system. And that is why there's all the tension right now, because they are struggling to get this to push through, because there's a new cycle that's going to lead us into Yahusha's second coming. And that is going to be decentralized freedom and into the millennium. Okay? You see it right now. People are leaving California, and where are they going? Texas. People are like, man, you mean I could give up my U.S. citizenship with all of those bad strings attached commercially, and I could get a citizenship and get paid and go to Indonesia, have an Indonesian citizenship with all these tax advantages? And uh, right now, countries are jockeying to try and get your citizenship because then they get your labor and energy. And if you're not getting a good deal here, there are plenty of other places that would be begging for you to get citizenship. So you have the commodity to trade. It's your energy and labor. You don't have to stay in a totalitarian system. Just saying. You want to stay in the United Kingdom or you want to go to the Dominion Republic? Well, I don't know where I would choose and it would not be going back to England. You want to hang out in France with the Yellow Jackets or you want to go um, to the Algarve? I'm going with the Algarve. You can get yourself a little castle there for 50 grand. I mean, you've got some plumbing problems and you know you might have some problems with your brick and mortar and whatnot, but you know, th there's a lot of opportunities right now. Selling citizenship, tax incentives, Retirement incentives. We'll finish up with three cycles and revolutions that I believe are converging right now. Okay? Three cycles and revolutions within the wheel. Because there's a wheel within a wheel within a wheel. I believe it's converging right now and they're trying to hold together this closed totalitarian system. But I believe there is a better way to live and that is where we're actually going to move into. I believe in hope, faith, and the coming of Yahusha and moving into the millennium. And I think we're at an amazing part of life because I can see it all around. I see it all around. Number one, the three cycles and revolutions converging right now are political, social, and cultural, number one. Number two is technological. And number three, it is financial. So remember I said there were three cycles of 20, three cycles of 80, and three cycles of 250, all working within one another. If you want to get more specific, it's a 28-year cycle, thrice. It's an 84-year cycle, thrice. You know, three times 28 is 84. And then a three-year 84 cycle will bring you to 252, and you'll get convergence. So now I've been talking for a long time. I've lost a lot of you, and you're going to really need to pay attention now because this is the part where you do need to pay attention. So I might have needed to put this at the beginning of the teaching, not at the end when you're all tired. Right, Mr. Leach? Yes. Okay. Well, you know, I'm winging it a little bit today. Okay. So here we go. A wheel within a wheel within a wheel.
So roughly you have three times 20 year cycles, three times 80 year cycles, and three times 250 year cycles. The 80 year cycles, okay? Let's look at the 80 year cycles. Let's go back two cycles ago. Where were we? 1840. What happened? There was a populist uprising, a rejection of totalitarianism, a rejection of that closed system of control. There was a populist uprising. Two cycles ago, Karl Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto. Okay? There was the springtime of the people, the revolution in Europe in 1848. Okay, so that was two cycles ago. So that was a political, social, and cultural uprising. People were like, we're done. Right now, we're at that time where it's going to cycle again. That's what I'm saying. The next 80-year cycle after that, there was another populist uprising. There was another social and cultural uprising uh, the next 80-year cycle in the 1930s. You had World War II. You had Hitler and Mussolini. And of course, you had FDR, and he came in with his great New Deal. The New Deal in 1930 to 1933, where the money changed, and that was a contract. You don't know what the old deal was, but you got the new deal. And it's not a good deal for you. It was a great deal for the corporation, but not a good deal for you. Then, of course, FDR, man, in his first hundred days, do you know how many emergency declarations he put in? Well, Biden's got him beat. He's got him beat. And, of course, you had all of that social and economic engineering, and it was a regime change. That was the next 80-year cycle. Presently, we're in the next 80-year cycle where people are what? They are starting to say, you know what? I don't want this totalitarianism, this closed system of capture and control. They're starting to pull out. What's going on right now? Well, we had Brexit. That was huge. They never thought that that would go through. And then Trump, Trump being voted in? Well, that was totally against control, a captured controlled system. And then in Paris, you've got the Yellow Jackets, and now you've got Antifa and BLM and all of this. It's all in this next cycle that we are currently in, the third 80-year cycle. It's a populist, a populist uprising. You're seeing all this. Before COVID, there were actually 10 countries with a million people in each of those countries uprising. That's quite a lot of people going, you know, we've had enough. We've had enough. So the collectivism I believe people are rising up against that, as they have done in every 80-year cycle. And we're in the third cycle of that 80-year uprising. Does that make sense? Where the people are like throwing off collectivism, flowing, throwing that off. We're not all in this together. You go do you, I'll do me. But I'm not going to be, I, no, I don't want that. I want individualism, and I believe individualism is going to be the next 80-year cycle, which is decentralization. 
So it really comes to centralization versus decentralization. Well, think of this 80-year cycle here, um, where you see centralization versus decentralization. In 1783, the U.S. won the Revolutionary War and the Constitution. What, what happened then? They were sick and tired of a global, British global system of tyranny, capture and control, and they threw it off. Then in 1789, you had the French Revolutionary War, same thing. In 1863, you had the, Getty, the Gettysburg Address. All men are created equal. Not this captured and controlled system, throwing it off. And then, of course, you go forward and you've got 1943, you've got Hit Hitler, Stalin, the creation of the UN, you've got the IMF, Bretton Woods, one world currency, peak globalization, peak centralization. So it goes between centralization and decentralization, centralization and decentralization. It's a cycle, and it lasts for so long. We saw it in the USSR, and it was about an 80-year cycle of total centralization. And then Reagan came along and he said, tear the wall down. Decentralization, you see? It was an 80-year cycle. It's been going on, if you look at the patterns, through the time immemorial. 2023, they're moving for the Great Reset. World Economic Forum. The World Health Organization. The World Trade Organization. What's that all about? That's a, about totalitarianism, a totally controlled system, isn't it? And that's what they're trying to push that cycle forward. But that's not the cycle we're in. That cycle is coming to an end, which is why they are forcing all of this crazy land stuff, I believe. Because that cycle is coming to an end, and their time is up. That's what I see. I think the pendulum is going to swing to decentralization. In 1823, President James Monroe said, the United States is not subject to European powers. What was that? decentralization. In 1903, Teddy Roosevelt said, speak softly and carry a whopping big stick, right? Decentralization. Reagan said, tear the wall down. Decentralization. Really, it comes down to generational iniquity versus a generational shift. And I'll, show, I'll close up with this, because this takes us into a four times 20-year generational cycle, okay? Think about this. We've got a whole segment in society right now that don't want to work. There is so many, everywhere I go, they're, they're looking to hire. Nobody wants to work. Why? We have created a society of weak men. It's a cycle. It's a 20-year cycle. Crises... A crisis and hard times creates what? Strong men. That's the first generation. That was World War II. Some strong men came out of World War II, and they had sons and daughters. And strong men, their sons, then created high times good times, 
massive entrepreneurship, successful businessmen, wealth and abundance. Why? Because their fathers were the fathers of hard times that created sons of good times. But then those sons of good times bring forth another generation that create weak men. Why? Because that's the first generation that is living on the wealth created in the past. They're not using their energy and they're not using their labor. They want to get wealth of somebody else's energy and labor. They'll never attain it, but that's what they want. And what does that create? It creates weak men who don't produce or they only live off the past production of their forefathers. They deny natural law, and that's the scary thing. They deny the law of the harvest or the law of the ant. The law of the ant is, of course, Proverbs 6, 6. You must sow before you harvest. But no, no, they want the harvest. But you, you haven't sown anything. No, you've got to go out and labor and sow so that you then can enjoy the bounty and the harvest. And if you labored really hard and you expanded more energy than you needed to, then guess what you get to do? You get to store some and you get to live off that stored energy because that's all money is it's labor and energy and people that are wise learn how to store that energy from their labor for the future because they don't just consume it all so it's called there's a book actually you can read called the four turnings it's really good This isn't my information. I mean, this is just like, it's common knowledge. And we're in that fourth turning. We're in that fourth turning. Our government, our educational, our banking system are run by weak men. Our financial planners are weak men. And what's going to happen? That fourth turning is going to bring you into a crisis that's going to create strong men. So think about it. A catalyst from the fourth turning to the first was 9-11, 2008, and where we're at right now, 2020 to 23. Because we're in that 252-year or 250-year revolutionary cycle. And you can read a book, and I think it's called, I got it at home, it's like The Fate, Fate of Empires. And it tells you, you know, there's eight or 12, I'll go with just eight, but there's eight cycles in a fate of empires. And it's happened in all empires. Number one, there's an outburst, right? Think about it in America, 1776, right? There was an outburst. That was 250 years ago. Then the next cycle is there's a conquest. It happened in about 1808. And then there's the third is there's commerce, 1812, at the War of 1812. And then there's affluence, 1890s onward, a lot of affluence, 1890s. Then the fifth one is intellect. Think about that, the 20th century, a lot of intellectual advances, uh, uh, um, advance, advances, excuse me. And then the sixth one, decadence. 
That happened in the 20s, and that happened in the 60s all the way forward now. You've got this decadence, right, where they're living off the labor and, and energy of the past. And then you get into decline. Well, of course, that started again in the 60s and the 70s, moral decline. And then finally, the final section in an empire is collapse, which again started in 2008, but it was stalled because they took your money to bail out the banks. But now that recourse is not available to them. So therefore, the system will go into the fourth turning, which is crisis. But crisis creates strong men which then brings forth the next generation of sons to bring forth abundance and plenty. And we will not be doing that in a totalitarian system. We will be doing that in a millennial open free market world, which is why there is so much crisis right now, because they do not want us to go into that fourth turning because they know that that fourth turning will create strong men. And it's all about a capture, control, centralized system. But the next cycle is decentralized, open and free market. I can see it all over the world. Can you see it? I can see it. I can see it. There is this dichotomy of people that want to be in a captured, controlled system and those that like, no. Just let me be me. Let me go out, create, build, and uh, labor and use my energy how I want to. Think about the past 252-year cycles. I'll finish up. I've said that for a while, but there's so much to talk about. But, you know, growing up in England, the Church of England, what was that a product of? That was a product of the Protestant Reformation in 1517. What was before that? There was a globalism, if you will. There was a totally captured and controlled system of Roman Catholicism working with governments. And all of a sudden, people were like, no. We want a decentralized system of faith and religion. That was the Protestant Reformation. That was a previous two 252-year cycles. That was the end of globalism, the end of centralization. That was the Roman Catholic Church was operating with governments and people were like, done. Martin Luther was, of course, the one that instituted that move. And that, what did that do? It moved people into an independent relationship with Yahuwah. Protestants began reading the Bible for themselves. They left a centralized, controlled system and they moved into a decentralized religion and faith. But it's interesting, it was the printing press that was developed 77 years before the Protestant Reformation. Because people started to be able to access the information for themselves. It was no longer held in a centrally controlled system of the Roman Catholic Church in a foreign encrypted language, Latin. And people, because of the development of the printing press 17, 77 years earlier, they couldn't keep a lid on the information anymore. Well, today, we have the internet. And the state-controlled media cannot keep a lid on the information anymore. So what is it going to lead to? 
It's going to lead to the same thing. It's right there in the cycles. You fast forward 250 years later from the Protestant um, Reformation, where do you end up? You end up in 1776, where they're like, "Um, yeah, we're sick of the British monarchy and their system of banking and tyranny and the whole fiefdom kingdom. So they come over here, Declaration of Independence, decentralization, open free market, and the pilgrims come over because, again, that was the next 250-year cycle, and fast forward 250 years, and you are here today, my friends. That's where we're at. We are here today. We live right now in a centralized, controlled, globalistic system where they are trying to lock you down, trying to put fear, slavery, tyranny, paying you not to work so that they can then make you indentured servants because the only assets that you have are your energy, your labor, and your signature. And if they can take that from you, then they're in control and you're in your pod in the matrix. And people are saying, no, we're in that final 250-year cycle. A revolution is coming. And it is a revolution against centralization and globalism. And it's a drive towards decentralization Populism, it's a wheel within a wheel within a wheel that will lead us into the millennium. We're going to go into the millennium and we are going to see Yahusha and be delivered from this. I really believe it. I really do. I think amazing things are going to happen. But I think two billion people are going to die or more because they've bought into the Pharaonic Fishes propaganda. And, you know, that's sad. But again, we were warned to come out of her, my people, because it's her plagues that have been manufactured. And there's consequences associated with believing and following the religion of false gods. And scientism is a religion. Science, that's a different thing. I think science is great. But scientism today is a false religion and it's a false god and it's full of idolatry and it will lead to people's death and destruction. All that to say this, there is hope. I believe it is all unraveling and we're about to enter into that final cycle that ushers into Yahushua's return. I believe, though, that yes, it is going to be a rough rotation. It is going to be a rough rotation, but it's a rotation into Yahushua's cycles. So, anyway, that was my thoughts that I wanted to share with you today because I I know I was away for a few weeks and I came back in last week with some announcements, but I was pondering these things over the past few weeks and I thought, well, I'll share them with you. I'm going to to spend five minutes in the chat because I have gone long. So if you have some questions... And then we will wrap it up here. So if you want to redline me, then please um, do so so I can see it in the chat. Agree or disagree? Do you agree or disagree? Why don't you put that down up in the chat or in the comments section? Be nice. 
Thoughts? Anybody here? Let's see if I can manage this here. Ah, Shiloh says, the engineeringly accelerated spike protein targets the blood. But Leviticus 17 verse 11 equals, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and have given it up upon the altar to make atonement for the soul. Yes, giant killer put Revelation 18.4 up in the chat. Chris De La Rosa, can we meet your awesome wife? Well, thank you. Yes. Yes. All right. And then everybody agrees that you're awesome or that they want to meet you. Not sure which, but yes. All right. I'll let you guys go today because I did go way too long. I don't know how long. How long have I been going? Seems like ages. Oh, not bad. Not bad. It's not bad. It seemed a lot longer. Because I wasn't as organized as I usually am, you see. All right. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, blessings to you all. Blessings to you all. And Shabbat Shalom. Remember, Leave some comments down in the comments section. What do you think about these cycles? Do you think that we're in a cycle? Do you believe that we're going into the millennium, that this is possible? Do you believe that you should stay in a totalitarian controlled system? Or do you like the fact that I believe, and maybe you do too, that we're breaking out into freedom and that there are more and more people who are moving into this embracing of this cycle because ultimately it's a cycle to freedom returning us back to the wheel of Genesis. Lots to ponder, lots to think, but Yahweh is the Elohim of cycles of blessing and we do not want to be a part of Satan's cycles that lead to fire and destruction. Shabbat Shalom.